Welcome, and thank you for being with us tonight, Thursday, September 29th, 2016. I'm Lynn Daly, a member of the League of Women Voters of Oakland. The League of Women Voters is a trusted membership organization that encourages informed and active participation in government. We do not endorse or oppose candidates or political parties. The League participates in issue advocacy and voter education. The advocacy arm of the League may take positions on issues and voter and voter education. The advocacy arm of the League may take positions on issues such as a rise in ballot measures. This forum is presented by the education arm of the League, which does not take positions or advocate for them. I'd like to remind everyone that the candidates this evening have all agreed to participate under the guidelines set for this forum. These guidelines are available outside the room should you choose to see them. As a matter of courtesy, please turn off all electronic devices. Please be aware that campaign literature or other forms of campaigning, such as buttons, T-shirts, and signs, are not permitted inside the forum room in order to maintain neutrality. We are videotaping tonight's forum and broadcasting it through KTOP Channel 10. Video will also be available on YouTube for broader community to access. You can find links on our website, lwvoakland.org, or through votersedge.org. Our third forum this evening will be for the position of Oakland Unified Board District 1. There are two candidates running for that position, Jody London and Dan McClay. Let's go over the ground rules. Each candidate has two minutes for opening remarks. The order was determined by drawing lots. The timekeepers will signal candidates with colored signs marked 30 seconds and stop. As audience members arrive, our volunteers provide cards for submitting written questions. The questions will be screened to avoid duplication and personal attacks. The order of answering the questions will be alternated, and each candidate will have one and a half minutes to respond to each question. Again, timekeepers will signal the candidates. There will be no separate rebuttals. However, the candidates may choose to use some or all of their one and a half minutes to rebut the response given by the other candidate. Following the questions, each candidate will have two minutes for a closing statement. Okay, now let's begin with our uh, opening statements, and we will begin with uh, Ms. London. Good evening, and thank you to the League for providing this venue. I always appreciate your help. My name is Jody London. I'm the incumbent running for school board in District 1, North Oakland. I joined the school board in 2009. Uh, when I started on the school board, my children were in... I don't know, fourth and second grades, and now they're in 10th and 12th grades at neighborhood schools entirely in North Oakland. When I started on the school board in 2009, the district was at the tail end of six years of state receivership. We were in the middle of a horrible recession, and we inherited some really, you know, the fiscal problems that had driven us into receivership had not been solved during the state's time here. As a member of the school board in my first term during that difficult period, we developed and we, we hired our first locally hired superintendent in probably 10 or 12 years. We developed a great vision around becoming a full-service community school district. We have a focus now. We're a leader nationally on social-emotional learning, which is making sure that kids have the skills to get along with other people. We are very focused on serving students who have historically not been well-served by the system. We've also been able, I've been a leader in establishing career pathways in our colleges where what students learn is linked to what they might do when they graduate. 
I uh, have served as president and vice president of the school board. I spent three years in leadership. I've passed policies on how we consider our physical assets. I've passed a really groundbreaking policy on involving the community in the work that we're doing at facilities. And there's a lot more that I want to talk about with you um, in the coming half hour or so that we have together. Um, but I just want to let you know that I'm very excited for a third term. I feel like the path we're on and the changes that we've instituted are great changes. And we need more time to change an organization as large and um, sometimes cumbersome as Oakland Unified School District. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. McClay. Thanks for having us. Um, my name is Don McClay. I'm a resident of District 1 in Oakland. I've been a resident of Oakland for 27 years. I have two sons that are born and raised in Oakland. They're somewhat separate in ages. They're now ages 26 and 13. I have a background as a teacher. I was a vocational teacher in Central America for five years. I have been an uh, English teacher in China for a year, and I've been a uh, what you call a tutor as part of adult education at Laney College, where I also have a degree, and I have a degree from San Francisco State, and I have a certificate to teach here in the United States, but I've never been able to make use of it. I've been volunteering in the schools simply because my sons have been in the schools and I try to uh, participate in the community wherever I can. Uh, I have the privilege of being self-employed, so I've been able to put in a lot of time, about a day a week, over most of two decades. And I'm a very concerned uh, citizen. I'm concerned with the way um, we are not delivering services. I've seen a lot of good happen in Oakland, but I've also seen some things that give me some serious pause, and that's why I'm willing to... Uh, become a civilian that's running for office and try to add something to how we run these schools. I have sat and watched teachers as they're making the decisions to drop out. I have watched students as they're making decisions to drop out. And I have sat and watched firsthand as adult education, vocational education, and things like that have degenerated. And I would like to constructively engage this situation and contribute to the board. Thank you. Okay, let's move into the questions, and we'll start with Ms. London. What strengths do you or will you bring to the school board? In particular, describe your community involvement and how it has prepared you to serve on the board. Ms. London. Great, thank you. So I got involved in working on the schools in 2004 when my older daughter started kindergarten, and the vast majority of her campus was portables that dated from the 1940s. And because I've worked in and for local government for many years and I have a master's degree in public administration, I could see that there were some bureaucratic ways that I could engage or some ways that I could engage with the bureaucracy. In 2006, I co-chaired to uh, the Measure B campaign, which was a $435 million citywide bond campaign that passed very successfully. I then went back to that school and led the school in the design process with the community. And the new building that we constructed at Chabot Elementary was the first in the state to receive matching grants for being green verified. I was recruited to run for the school board by the incumbent, and as I mentioned in my opening remarks, I bring a, a mindset around good governance and strong leadership. That's why my colleagues on the board have elected me three times to be in leadership as president and vi vice president and then president. I am very focused on 
how we can the job of the school board is not to do the work the job of the school board is to hire the superintendent and make sure that the superintendent is running the organization the way that the policies of the board have dictated and we're also responsible for the finances of the district and i have been very effective in working with my colleagues in affecting change in passing a number of policies this year we're uh, we're very focused we're going to be developing new policy this year on our enrollments We've passed last year ethnic studies policies we're going to be focused on. We have now have a Department of Equity. The work that we're doing around African-American male achievement and helping those children um, and expanding that work to serve other subgroups that have been historically not well served is the type of leadership and direction that I offer. Thank you. Mr. McClay, what strengths do you, will, do you or will you bring to the school board? In particular, describe your community involvement and how it has prepared you to serve on the board. Starting with the community involvement, I have been a social activist since about 1977 when I first worked for the uh, union in my factory. And I've been involved pretty much everywhere I've been ever since then. I currently serve on the Business Improvement District in my area. I have done a whole series of things that we just don't have time here to talk about. But I would like to think that I'm somebody who stays local and stays involved, and wherever I am, I try to contribute. What I bring to the school board and strengths have uh, certain general ideas. I've managed things, everything from a hydroelectric project to my small business, and I've worked in government. I've worked in the private sector. I also bring to the board certain expertise in foreign language. I speak six of them. And I also bring to the board some technical knowledge. Uh, I am a computer technician. I've also been a shop teacher, a shop student. So I bring that kind of vocational things. I think anybody who comes to the board, their personal life experience is part of what they bring to the board, and I hope to bring a lot there. But also the other thing that we bring to the board is the ability to work in a team to have a better result for the general operation of a board, and I've done that in several different boards. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. McClay, we'll start with you this time. What would you most like to achieve during your term of office? I'd like to increase the number of our students who graduate. I think by far and above, it is our biggest problem. Um, there's different opinions on to what the actual graduation rate is. Taking the Census Bureau and taking the... Uh, school board itself and the administration at their words, I find those numbers really unacceptable, especially in a city like Oakland where non-graduation and non-participation in high school leads to lives of crime, leads to lives of limited employment possibilities, and in some cases it leads to really tragic results. And we are not like somewhere like Orinda, where if a kid doesn't attend school, they get into a little bit of trouble. We in Oakland have some serious problems, serious inequalities, especially for the African-American community. And I've personally spent too much time watching what happens to these young people when they drop out. And for me, it's somewhat personal because I am a person who dropped out of high school and was able to go to vocational school and that turned my life around. I wish these young people had those same opportunities. Thank you. Ms. London, what would you most like to achieve during your term of office? Thank you. First of all, I want to make sure everyone understands that our graduation rates in Oakland are up. 
they're still not where they need to be. But the programs that we've instituted, particularly our African-American Male Achievement Program, we're seeing more of our African-American males, boys, graduate and go on to college. And it's certainly not where we need it to be, but we need to build out that program to serve all other groups that have not been well served. I'm also very interested in making sure that the work that we're doing around quality school development and and giving our schools the opportunities to define what the program is that they want to offer in conjunction with the community at the school and around the school gets really carried through because I think that's the transformational work that we need in our neighborhoods. We have great work that we've initiated thanks to the voters in Measure N around career pathways in our high schools, and I think that work um, is work that must be continued because it allows students to see how what they're learning in the classroom can be linked to what they might do when they graduate. Those are all things that keep kids in school. Um, in my own district, I'm very focused on making sure that we get the softball field at Emerson Elementary that we need for our girls because the boys have that lovely field of dreams over at, at Oakland International High School. And we recently, I was able to help the community put together a soccer practice field there. And again, after-school athletics are things that keep kids engaged. Um, I'm also very interested in making sure that we continue to fix our finances. So we recently regained our credit rating. As I mentioned earlier, state control didn't take care of it. But we still have more work to do behind the scenes to fix our systems. Thank you. Um, Ms. London, we'll start with you this time. I have a couple of questions about charter schools, which I've combined. What equity and accountability issues, if any, do you see between Oakland's charter and district-run schools, and how would you address them? Thank you. That's a great question, and there are definitely inequities between charter schools and district schools. The education code that applies to charters is about this thick, and the education code that applies to district schools is much thicker. And um, we recognize that in Oakland, and we are working to uh, get the charter schools to voluntarily agree because they have no obligation under state law to do anything to serving more special education students, special needs students who are particularly high needs, to serving more children from all backgrounds. Um, I have taken a position that is now being adopted by others, but in 2013, looking at the number of schools that we have in our district, which is about twice as many as most districts with the student enrollment that we have would operate, I said I wouldn't vote to approve any more charter schools in our district. And um, that's been a little bit controversial, but it's a position that I stand by. Uh, You have to understand that the way charter law is written in California, it's stacked against the district, because if we turn down a charter, it can go to the county and then to the state. So at the same time that I'm talking about how can we get the charters to voluntarily work with us, I've also been working at the state level through the California School Boards Association, where I'm a delegate from our district, on helping them figure out ways that we can move legislation in Sacramento that will change the rules. And if you look at the grand jury report that the district responded to a couple of weeks ago, you can find a great uh, outline of all of these issues and where the changes are needed. Thank you. Mr. McClay, what equity and accountability issues, if any, do you see between Oakland's charter and district-run schools, and how would you address them? The equity issue um, is, to me, probably the biggest problem, and that equity issue has to do with the responsibilities. My own son goes to a charter school, and I agree with the grand jury report. I agree with most of what Jody just said. And the ACLU agrees with this, and they've looked at it 
fairly closely. The NAACP agrees with this. This is not a minority view. Um, what we do need to do is have some way that we address how we take care of the truant students, how we take care of those dropout students, what role are the charter schools going to play in bringing the graduation rate up, and how do they deal with their fair share of special ed. There's recently been a lot of numbers pushed out by a thing, uh, what's it called, um, the Oakland Achieves Report, and I would suggest people read it. Um, it is telling us that a good percentage of that burden is not carried by the charter schools. When it comes to accountability, there's what we're allowed to do, and I would look at that, I would go back to that grand jury report, I would ask people to read it, because it does say that we should be doing more as a district. We should fully staff our oversight. We have an oversight department for those charter schools, and I would like to see that done, and I would like to see those schools be held more accountable to the public at large, whether we have the authority over them or not. Thank you. Mr. McClay, how will you support the recruitment and retention of qualified and experienced teachers in Oakland Public Schools? I would start with retention. Uh, in the years that I've been volunteering and working at the school level, I have uh, been doing some of the assistant teacher work that they do not have the staff for. Often when you're a parent and you volunteer, you end up handing out books in the library. You end up stapling photocopies together. Sometimes I would work on computers, usually not. Uh, sometimes you would teach science out of a FOSS kit. And like I said, I've seen a lot of teachers quit. And I think that the first thing to do is to address why they leave. The economic reason is strong, but it's not the only reason. I would say that most of the teachers I've ever heard say that they wanted to leave the system, it was frustration with the management of the school. It was feeling that they were trying to do things that were aggressive, creative, and for the benefit of our children, and that they get stymied at it, that they have bureaucratic regulations thrown at them, and sometimes some pretty petty uh, management practices. We address that, it becomes a job that somebody wants, and right now it's a job that's hard to want. Thank you, Ms. London. How will you support the recruitment and retention of qualified and experienced teachers in Oakland Public Schools? Thank you for that question. I hope that everyone who is watching and is here in the audience recognizes that we are in the middle of a national teacher shortage, and that I attribute to the fact that our country just undervalues the profession of education and educating our teachers, and I think that... Um, while I can't necessarily control that here at the local level, I can certainly advocate and start to highlight the fact that the teaching profession is not adequately valued, in my opinion. Specific to Oakland, we actually have a, quite a focus going on right now on how we recruit our teachers. So we have an education pathway at Skyline High School. We have brought into our human resources department um, a program called Teach Tomorrow in Oakland, which recruits people from Oakland. We have uh, teachers at several of the schools, even in my own district, who went to school in Oakland and are now back here teaching. They've returned to Oakland for their careers. I've been really um, uh, pushing and have been successful in getting the district to provide a lot more support this year for new teachers. I believe that it's very hard in your first few years to do everything that's required of you as a teacher. 
and we need to have much more coaching and support for our new teachers. So we have a whole system. We had a long conversation about this last night at the school board meeting, so you can go online and watch the tape. Um, I also have been a real advocate for making sure that the city of Oakland is providing housing for our teachers because it's very hard to afford to live here right now. And this is an issue where I have led the way. I'm thrilled to see all the conversation that my advocacy last summer has sparked on this. Thank you. Um, we will start with you again, Ms. London. What can you do as a school board member to actually make change happen? Um, so the first thing you need to do is understand what the needs are. And I am someone who's out in the community in, at my schools, talking with parents, talking with students, talking with teachers and principals, understanding what are the concerns. And then you need to go back and you need to be able to work with your colleagues on the board and with the superintendent. If you cannot get along with the superintendent and the administration, you're going to be ineffective. And I'm pleased to say that I have been able to make change happen um, on the board. I've been able to bring folks along, uh, things as simple as just deciding that I wasn't going to vote for styrofoam anymore. And in 2011, I said, you know, I- I'm not going to approve another contract that has styrofoam in it. And six of the us went along with that, and we no longer use styrofoam in Oakland Unified. Uh, to bigger things. It started when I was a parent and I came in and advocated with the district around green school buildings. And so I've been able to work with the administration and with the members on the board to develop a coalition of support for different initiatives that I have been interested in pursuing. Um, And then there are other things that you can do that are uh, just, you know, by being able to advocate and help people understand how to navigate the system. They, too, can affect change. So I'm constantly coaching people in my community around how they work within the school system. I'm not going to go in and do that for them, but they can help advocate for change at their schools as well. Thank you. Mr. McClay, what can you do as a school board member to actually make change happen? Well, I guess the first thing is what are the changes that you feel are right? Um, change in and of itself isn't necessarily a good thing. Um, I would focus on certain changes around the practicality of our education, um, taking us away from this dependency on standardized testing, taking us away from this mono-focus goal of everybody goes to college at the detriment of everyone graduates. And I would really want to work with the community listening to it but on the board you have to be able to count to two and you have to be able to count to four it takes two people to get something on the agenda and then you have to work with your colleagues and decide what it is that we can agree on at least four out of seven to agree on and make into policy i've served on a lot of boards and uh, I find that that can be done without really creating a war. I know that the school board has a bad history on that sometimes. I would like to think that I could sit there and bring some aggressive new ideas on teaching civics or Spanish or supervision without having to create a war. I agree with Jody. You have to be able to get along with your colleagues. Thank you. Mr. McClay. Are there schools in your district that do not have a functioning school library? And if so, what will you do to change that? Got it. There's a few. Uh, When my son was going to uh, Piedmont Avenue Elementary, the library was 
more of a storage room, extra use room than a library. It's gone in and out of being uh, staffed. At Piedmont, uh, in Manzanita Seed Elementary, I saw a librarian of 18 years history dismissed because we were balancing our budget locally and not really thinking as a district. This is one of the things where I think we really should be thinking of having the district have a pool of talent that we don't just try an all-or-nothing approach at any one school. If we really don't have the funds for a librarian in every school, well, maybe we could have librarians work for two schools. And the current way we're doing it doesn't seem to very conductive to that. Um, I believe in labor pools, and I believe that a district should be thinking more centrally on providing these services, especially the ones that we're going to have to ration out. Thank you. Thank you. Ms. London, are there schools in your district that do not have a functioning school library? And if so, what will you do to change that? Every school in North Oakland has a functioning library. And this year, the district, in our budget process for this year, we allocated funds so that um, some of our schools are fortunate in that they're able to hire librarians through their parent-teacher groups. But others didn't have librarians. And this year, we actually have librarians I believe at every single school. I don't know that it's full-time, but it's certainly a half-time person. This is a new thing this year, so you might not know about it yet. We also last year instituted a career pathway program where um, we have a partnership with Diablo Valley College, and folks who work with us can go take a series of courses at DVC and get certified to become library clerks. So they're not uh, teacher librarians, which is something that I think we would like to have. I also want to point out that California continues to be in the bottom 25%, the bottom quartile nationally of per-pupil funding. And when we talk about things like librarians and counselors and nurses and music programs and art programs, those to me are the things that we don't have in California because we don't adequately fund education. I recently was talking with my brother-in-law from Massachusetts, and he mentioned casually that their high school has a um, physical therapist. And I was like, well, you know, you spend twice as much in Massachusetts per pupil. Yeah, you have a physical therapist at the high school. These are things that we don't have in Oakland, and so we're figuring out how to make that work with the inadequate funding that we receive from the state. We're right now being funded, folks, at the levels that we were in 2007, 2008. And we're glad we're there, but we'd like to have more. Thank you, Ms. London. We will start with you on this question. Adult education was essentially eliminated in Oakland as a result of state funding decisions. What is being done to restore those programs, and what do you see as your role in restoring them? Thank you for the question. So during the recession, I think it was in the 9, 10, 10, 11 year, the state um, eliminated categorical funding, and it said to districts, adult ed is is something, uh, is no longer a categorical program, Um, we're going to give you less money this year. You decide how to do that. And so we sadly had to cut adult ed programs in order to make sure that we were able to not have cuts touch the classroom. I mean, it was a very difficult situation. And then Governor Brown said, you know what, we're going to move adult ed altogether to the community colleges. So we just uh, yesterday celebrated 145 years of having adult education programs in Oakland. We do offer family literacy classes uh, English as a second language classes and other kind of life skills classes for some of our parents. We don't have the robust offering that we had previously. Those are now being offered in partnership with the community college district. And everywhere in the state of California, um, K-12 districts have been in partnership with community college districts for the last 
three or four years developing what the new version of adult ed is going to look like for California, and those programs are starting to launch. But the governor really moved us away from adult ed being offered as much by K-12 school districts. So we do have adult ed and family literacy programs, and we're excited about them. And we're also happy for the opportunity to be partnering with the Peralta Community College District on how we can serve those in our community who require more education and would like it. Thank you. Mr. McClay, adult education was essentially eliminated in Oakland as a result of state funding decisions. What is being done to restore those programs, and what do you see as your role in restoring them? Well, we're, we're restoring it after a slash and burn. And to be a little more accurate, yes, the state took away some of the funding, and it took away the obligation to spend it on adult ed. The decision to put 20,000 students out was made by the board. They decided that that was what they were going to cut, and they did not have any share of the burden in other places. You know, we were balancing our budget, but we were doing it with uh, short-term gain and long-term damage. The current state of adult ed is probably somewhere at very best 5 to 10% of where it once was. So we're rebuilding I would go along with the state's idea of having the local consortiums. I think they're great. I think the Oakland School District needs to be an honest partner in this. And I think that the junior colleges are probably as good as anybody to lead it up. But on the other hand, I would really think that we should be working in our schools to make sure that the parents of our students and that the people who have not graduated and the people who need adult ed the most actually get back up to the levels that we were at uh, before without these sudden zigzags and massive slash and burns, especially when we're not making the similar cuts into our administration. Thank you. This is a long question. I will read it twice, and we will start with you, Mr. McClay. Currently, only 10% of federally mandated services for students with disabilities are federally funded. As a member of the Oakland Unified School Board, how would you work to fund effective special education services without disadvantaging students in regular education? Those are the famous unfunded mandates, and they come all across the curriculum for us, no pun intended. Uh, I'm... I'm going to be with Jody on this. We are in serious crisis here in Oakland, and we're in a serious crisis here in California with the way our tax system works. At some point, we as a board and we as a community in Oakland have to think about the damage that was done to our state with Prop 13 and come up with some alternative. We have to reform the reform, and I really feel that it's a political job to get together as school boards across the state and to communicate with the public at large and change direction. This gotcha capitalism that we've gone into with the property taxes is actually damaging other parts of the economy as well. And as anybody who's trying to open a business in Oakland knows, they are paying property taxes at as much as five to ten times the rate of other people who have established properties. This is distorting our economy, it's upsetting our development, and it is really ruinous to our schools and other public services. And uh, I've listened to Jody speak on this several times. It's one of the things I agree with. Thank you. 
Thank you. Ms. London. Currently, only 10% of federally mandated services for students with disabilities are federally funded. As a member of the Oakland Unified School Board, how would you work to fund effective special education services without disadvantaging students in regular education? Great. Thank you for that question. Um, There is a problem when the federal government gives us a mandate that they don't fund. There are also things that we can do locally to make our special ed program more effective and have it serve our children um, much in much better way. The first thing is that we are engaged um, on an ongoing basis with our our parent community for our special needs students and with our faculty to beef up the quality of our of our program. We know that there are things that we can be doing to make our program more attractive to families. We also uh, and 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 if we were to do that, we would have fewer outplacements. So right now we have a number of students who we fund because their um, individualized education plan says they should be funded in a certain, they should be educated in a certain way, and that we, we pay to send them to go to private schools. And we need to find ways to pull them back, and that's something that our special education department is very focused on. We also need to find ways to get our charter schools to come back and take special ed services from the district, because right now the vast majority of charter schools in California take services from the El Dorado County special education local planning area. I also want to correct something that my opponent said in uh, the last, in his response to the last question. The administrative costs in Oakland are down. Since Superintendent Wilson joined us, he has every year made cuts at the central office. This year's central office is spending $2 million less than, less than last year. Board policy says 12% can be cut, spent on the central office. We're down to 8%. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we'll start with you, Ms. London. Do you see a role for athletic education in ending the school-to-prison pipeline? Please explain your answer. I see a role for athletics and physical education in keeping our students engaged and interested in education. And um, I also see a role for music and art in the same way uh, in, in that realm. And that's one of the reasons why we are investing a lot of money right now in building out a middle school athletic league to make sure that our kids have training in sports and that they um, that we have competitive leagues when they get into high school. We're also redoing over the course of this summer and next summer a number of the middle school playing fields across the district. And then I also think it's important, to the extent that kids are interested in athletics, that we show them all aspects of what sports are about because there are a lot of careers that you can have in athletics and sports without being the star athlete. And I think that's what our career pathway programs are allowing us to do. We have programs in social entrepreneurship, and uh, I think there are some sport, there's a sports education program up at Skyline. So I do see a role for athletic education. I also see a role for intramural sports. Sports is important as well for um, one's social well-being, one's, you know, just health. Like I always feel better when I can just take a walk around the block and we need to show our children how they can do that as well. And we have a, a big emphasis in Oakland on, on PE and physical education starting at the elementary school level. And um, we have coaching programs at many of our elementary schools. And then the kids have opportunities as they matriculate to take more sports. Thank you. Mr. McClay, do you see a role for athletic education in ending the school-to-prison pipeline? Please explain. Definitely. And I would start where Bill Clinton started, with things like midnight basketball. I think that there have been things done in the community, and my campaign manager, Vicente Cruz, is one of the people that's done them. 
where sports is not to be a star athlete, but to develop a certain attitude of cooperation, an attitude of unity, and an attitude of acceptable behavior between the students, counteracting a lot of the other things going on in their lives, which could be in Oakland as much as being members of different gangs or being associated to different neighborhoods. That said, I've really come to appreciate as a school volunteer the value of a coach. And by coach, I do not mean somebody who's 17 years old and works for a nonprofit that's got a non-union employee on campus. I mean a real coach, someone who can work with the younger people and be that person that makes the playground a place where the students learn good behavior, have a time that's a release from sitting there and doing the desk work and return to the classroom better off. What we have a lot that happens, and I've seen this in a lot of different schools, is they return to the classroom frustrated because the playtime on the playground is not properly guided. And I really would like to see regular, real coaches return to the staff. Thank you. Thank you. Um, due to time, this will be our last question of the evening, and we'll start with Mr. McClay. Do you feel the presence of Oakland Police Department on school campuses is appropriate given the current sex trafficking scandal involving some officers? It wasn't appropriate before that. Uh, we have an over-criminalization of our society, and we definitely are doing better when we work on the programs of restorative justice and we work with a community-based approach as to school, to school discipline the presence of armed police officers on campus really should only be for an emergency and few emergencies at that. The school-to-prison pipeline, to me, has two parts, one in which we neglect students and they end up drifting into a life of crime, and the other one is when the school discipline operation starts to become part of how they start to be disciplined and led to having a police record instead of simply an attendance record or a problem like that. As far as the sex scandal is concerned, uh, the person involved and many other people who are involved in various types of sex trade and crime in Oakland should have been students, and I think we should think of making them be safe to be students first and foremost. Thank you. Thank you. Ms. London, do you feel the presence of the Oakland Police Department on school campuses is appropriate given the current sex trafficking scandal involving some officers? We, first of all, the school district maintains a very small police force of about 12 police officers, and um, that's something that we are required to do under a court order. So we are going to have police officers on our campuses uh, there's also an agreement with the city whereby the uh, there's a federal grant that funds an additional 15 or 20 officers from the Oakland Police Department who work in partnership with our school police department. Our school police chief, um, we had a report from him last night, a long conversation with him at the board meeting, um, and he is very committed to using restorative justice. All of the school security officers as well as the police force are trained in these alternative dispute resolution strategies. And um, it's interesting when people say we should have fewer police on campus. Every time I hear that, someone else says, I want more police on campus because safety is my priority. We also have some issues around our 
schools where we need to have uh, a police presence. We have children in North Oakland, kids from Oakland Tech, being stalked, and we need to have a very strong police presence there. We have kids being robbed at gunpoint. I don't want to dwell on this, but we do need to make sure that we're able to patrol the community and be in touch and know who belongs on the campus and who doesn't. And our school security officers working in partnership with our OUSD police are able to do that. And the city wants to partner with us. And I think we can find ways to do that that are helpful and productive. Thank you. We'll now move to our closing statements. Each candidate will have two minutes. And we will start this time with Mr. McClay. I want to thank you for your attention. I know it's kind of hard to get attention to school board issues. And I would like to say, first and foremost, everybody involved in our schools right now, Ms. London, people I agree with, the people I don't agree with, the people in the charter movement, the people in the small school movement, and our very dedicated teachers and principals and staff, everybody is working very hard. And whether you agree with them or not, I really have seen nothing but strong commitment to our young people on all sides. I'm running for this office because I feel that I want to bring some different concepts in there and I want to offer them to the public, which is not to say that everything that everybody else has done is wrong. I just feel that I really want us to see us move back towards a more uh, elective-based choice system in our schools and away from this winner-take-all system by which some schools win and some schools lose. I'm not accepting that. And that's the biggest difference I have of opinion with the way things are running right now. I really feel that parents in a local school should have choices. I had to move schools because I didn't have a way to keep my son speaking Spanish, which is very important in our family. We've spoken Spanish for a few generations. We want to keep speaking Spanish. And these are things that we should be able to parcel out, not really changing too much of how we're spending it, but changing where we're spending it and making sure that parents and teachers can have a right to customize what they do in their local schools and be creative there. And I think that's where the majority of our attention should go. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. London, your two-minute statement. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity that the voters have provided me over the past eight years to be of service to the families and students of North Oakland and of our city. It's been a real honor for me to lead the school district through many difficult challenges and come out in a direction that I think is a good one. Uh, I have a history of service and good governance. In my day job, I didn't mention this, but I'm actually the sustainability coordinator for Contra Costa County, and I've worked in and around government for over 25 years, and this is uh, experience that I draw on every day in my work on the school board. I'm, a th- I'm someone who comes in and I fix problems. I figure out what is it that needs to happen here, and I figure out how to get it done. And if you look at my record on the school board, I've done that again and again. I've said we've got an issue here. We need to solve it. We need a better way for families to be engaged and the community to be engaged uh, in different issues. We need better, better school lunches, so we're going to revamp our school lunch program. These are the types of issues that I've been working on. I also think it's really, really important in our city right now to have stable leadership. And I don't mean just at the school board with the board, but I also think that it's important to have stability with the superintendent and the administration of the district. Every time we have 
a chief executive leave in City Hall or in the school schoolhouse, we see a lot of churn. It's two years of churn, and I think that's churn that Oakland can't afford right now. We need to stay uh, in the direction that we're going. I think in general we're going in a good direction. And we also are at a unique opportunity right now to be in partnership with the city. In the eight years I've been on the board, I've never seen our ability to partner with the city as strong as it is now. We partnered with the city to get social workers this year who are making uh, visits. We are uh, have the Oakland Promise, which is looking at a cradle-to-graduation uh, program for kids. We're working on teacher housing, as I indicated previously. And more than anything, um, I think that we can model on the school board how to get along and how to be respectful in our city, and that's something I'd like to continue. Thank you. Thank you. On behalf of the League of Women Voters of Oakland, I want to thank the candidates for running for this office and for your participation this evening. I also want to thank the audience for coming to meet the candidates and posing thoughtful questions. For further information about upcoming forums, candidates, and ballot measures, please visit the League's award-winning and easy-to-use website, lwvoakland.org or votersedge.org. There you will find information about candidates and ballot measures and links to other sources of information about the upcoming election. Members of the League of Women Voters do the hands-on work to safeguard democracy. While we never endorse a candidate, we are directly involved in shaping important issues to keep our community strong. If you would like to be involved with the men and women helping make democracy work, it's easy to join the League. We encourage you to visit our website at lwvoakland.org. Visit us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Look for the League's Oakland, look for the Oakland's Easy Voter Guide inserted in the October issue of the East Bay Express. The deadline to register to vote this year is October 24th. If you have moved or changed your name or wish to change your party affili- affiliation since you last registered, you will need to register by October 24th as well. Online voter registration is available at the Secretary of State's website, sos.ca.gov, and we have voter registration forms available here tonight. Please stop at our table on your way out for forms and other information. Remember to vote by mail or at the polls Tuesday, November 8th. Encourage your family, friends, and neighbors to vote. Thank you.